Today on Business Leader Breakthroughs Podcast, we have a guest who thought she was going to be a marine biologist and has ended up advising many of our most significant companies on how they can navigate the extreme pace of technology whilst helping people be the best they can be. Joanne Fair of FutureWorks Studio spent much of her career in management roles for organisations such as Fonterra, BNZ and in New Zealand. But a trip to Singularity University opened her mind to the rapid evolution of tech work practices and how people want to deliver their best without the traditional work models. Models that are no longer making our economy as high performing as it should be. Along with co-founder Vincent Vullard, they have developed FutureWork Studio and Team. Learn how they are helping to unlock potential in people, teams and organisations. Hey Joe, welcome along to Business Leader Breakthroughs. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Cool. Hello, I'm going to f- start you off with a few uh, fast fact questions. Let's mm-hmm. uh, get to know you a little bit more. Sure. Are you a breakfast or a dinner person? Definitely a breakfast person. Right. Yeah, yeah. like to start my day uh, you know, with a good, good amount of protein and get started and right. coffee. Can't, so, can't get going So coffee. steak and coffee, is it breakfast? <laughs> good <laughs> protein? Quite, probably Not boiled quite. eggs and coffee usually. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Okay. Keep it simple. Yeah. yeah. And does that mean you're an early riser as well? Yeah, I increasingly so. Didn't used to be pre-kids, but uh, yeah, amazing <laughs> how it changes once you've got kids. So, so forced, yeah. forced behaviour change? Out. Absolutely. Good, yeah. good job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if you were on holiday, would we most likely find you bungee jumping or cocktail on the on the Ooh, lounger? Probably a bit of both. Mm-hmm. I, I do enjoy a nice bit of relaxation, mm-hmm. but uh, not too much. After a while, I like to get out, see the local sites, uh, yeah. explore the culture, be nice. a bit active. So yeah, good job. And then relax at the end of the day with the cocktail. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Adrenaline piece in there as well. Yeah, a little bit. It's nice. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not too much. Yeah. Like th- three cocktails <laughs> no, not is enough. That or? Puts yeah. me off my cocktails. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good result. Yeah. And are we most likely to find you in heels or trainers? Uh, trainers definitely yeah yeah especially post corporate right yeah, yeah which we can touch on later yeah 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 love to yeah. okay uh big question cats or dogs oh dogs definitely oh, yes <laughs> awesome we we no. can continue oh good that's normally good. like an exit question if you answer cats, cats it's, is like, out. it's over okay yeah, it's over yeah. so yeah, lucky was, break that's pretty good yeah. and entertainment wise would we see you uh watching a thriller or maybe a bit of comedy or romance um, would we be? definitely a thriller yeah. yeah good good action thriller mm-hmm. yeah hard to beat got a favorite Ooh, I'm on Netflix at the moment. I'm watching a, a Japanese uh, English thriller, Haji, which is really interesting. So, mm. uh, yeah. Might yeah. have to add it to the list. Yeah, some good things on Netflix at the moment. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a whole world of opportunity. There are, yeah. <laughs> maybe <laughs> just too not much. enough time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. too much. Okay. Yeah. Um, look, we're going to be talking about the future of work. Mm-hmm. It's uh, something that's very central to you and what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you've come through a significant corporate career, mm-hmm. worked for many of New Zealand's biggest brands and also international mm-hmm. experience as well. But uh, where did it, when you were a, a youngster, where did you think you'd end up? Did you have a classic yeah. career you thought you'd pursue? Yeah, quite different actually. I um, probably the earliest career I thought I'd have was actually as a marine biologist. Mm. So yeah, it was when there was a lot of Jacques Cousteau was yes, uh, a yes. lot on the, in those days, yeah. and uh, we lived in Wellington by the beach. Spent a lot of time by the water. Mm-hmm. Um, interested in sharks. You know, Jaws yeah. was out. Yeah. It was all, <laughs> all those good things. Right. Um, but that evolved as as I got older. So. Uh, Looked at medicine, then uh, ultimately law, which is is what I did my degree in, and mm-hmm. uh, landed up here, which I think is uh, an early adopter of the the new way of working. You know, mm. multiple careers. So, mm. yeah. so give us just a bit more insight into that mm. that journey. Started into law, went into mm-hmm. into corporate. Yeah. How did how did you now transition into the business that you have today? 
So I spent most of my career in strategic human resources, um, also a number of line management roles where I ran businesses. So over the sort of 20 odd years that I was in those roles, worked in a very traditional um, corporate structure, amazing opportunities, dynamic businesses, but, but relatively traditional. And what I started to see um, was that, that increasing pace of change. So you start to see technologies coming in, different social structures, and the inability at times to just respond quickly enough to those changing needs, um, which really piqued my interest. So mm. went to Singularity University in uh, Silicon Valley. I learned a lot about the changes that were coming, many of which in New Zealand we don't see every day, but you know, are, are really a common reality now. Uh, and started to really become very interested in what it meant for the workforce and the future of the workforce, uh, which was a great prompt to actually step outside. Um, started a business with my business partner, Vincent, and uh, Future Work Studio was born. Right, so, yeah. right. So give us some insights. What were the tipping points when you went to Singularity University? Yeah. What were things you kind of observed as like, oh, mm. yeah, that's, that's yeah. on the money? I think it was the, the real recognition that technology is here. People talk a lot about the future of work, but really it's now, it's real, and in many parts of the world that pace is already there. And I think in New Zealand we've been relatively isolated, um, but actually it gives us a unique perspective and vantage point. You know, increasingly some of our traditional um, things that have made our economy successful will be harder and harder to maintain in a faster paced world, such as our agricultural industry where we're at the end of a long supply chain. Um, you look at wine, which is very um, seasonal. Uh, tourism, which requires people to come here in an environment where increasingly that carbon footprint is top of mind for people. Um, but technology is something that can be developed from anywhere in the world. And New Zealand has a reputation and a history as innovators. So there's no reason why we can't really innovate and lead and drive productivity. We also have a real challenge that New Zealand is one of the lowest um, OECD countries for productivity um, for a whole, whole range of historical reasons. Mm. But technology can be a real unlocker and enabler for, for driving productivity. So it's a huge opportunity for New Zealand Inc. Mm. But to get there, we need to start to think differently about the way we work, um, and we need to unlock some of the amazing talent we have in, a, in yeah. our wider economy. What, what do you think is holding us back in that productivity space? Why are we not, not better performing? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And, and as an economist, I, I certainly don't pretend to know all the answers. But you know, one of our uh, observations, and certainly in the year or so that, that we've been running FutureWork Studio, is that we are still a relatively traditional um, country in terms that we, we have a, a range of small businesses, we tend to operate in a very traditional way, and yet there's this huge opportunity to access different talent pools and work more flexibly, uh, and a huge opportunity for New Zealanders to actually access overseas opportunities, because with remote working and new technologies, uh, that all becomes available. Yeah, the world's getting a lot smaller places. isn't it? It is, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay, yeah. so, so tell us about Future Work Studio. Mm. Um, why did why did you start it? Where did you think the market opportunity was? Yeah. Um, what did you think it would help, given what you'd observed in, mm. in corporate? Yeah. Um, what we observed was that there was a real desire for people to work differently, and and I saw it firsthand myself, um, and and in talking to a lot of a lot of people, particularly in corporate New Zealand, but also in small businesses. Uh, 
groups of people who want to work in a way that really plays to their strengths come to work and do their best every day but sometimes trapped in an environment where there was a lot of wasted time or they were kind of caught within within one part of a business. And equally, businesses increasingly looking to access really mobile talent and build out capabilities quickly and, and in a changing pace, but no ability to facilitate and join that. So we started uh, FutureWorks Studio with an integrated platform which enables internally businesses to start to move their, their talent around, so be far more collaborative, look at multi-teaming, looking at opening up opportunities for people to be more highly engaged in new opportunities in different teams. Right. Uh, and linking that to a broader talent pool externally where when a specific capability is needed, there's the ability to bring that in quickly and build talent pools of, of really um, high level expertise of people who really want to just do their best deliver value and then move on to a new opportunity. Right. So our platform is integrated internally with the ability to then pull on okay. that external resource. So uh, accessing external resource but mm -hmm. without the drama of going I need to go and employ someone, yep. I've got to go through Absolutely. that whole hire and additional yep. costs and finding them a That's desk right. and all those kind of things. Yep. And then even I guess the traditional contractor model is even now getting a bit outdated Absolutely. where you're going well yep. I need someone for this project for a couple of weeks so mm. I don't need them for three months, so I don't yep. want to go through a big contracting process. That's so right. Kind of being That's able right. To okay. and, and starting to move towards a value focus, so so payment for value of output rather than by the day, the week, the hour, whatever the case may be. So you're actually really starting to talk about what does value delivery look like, and that's far more satisfying for an individual, uh, mm. and obviously makes much more sense for a company too. Yeah, way more. So, yeah. Way more. Yeah. And and can you give us an example of how you might measure value delivery? Have you got a got a project example you might be able to share with us? Yeah, um, we've got one customer we worked with recently where they had traditionally been putting in place a full-time marketing manager role. They decided that actually they would try a more flexible way of recruitment because often uh, in a marketing company for a medium-sized business, you end up having a very general approach but not necessarily deep expertise when yes. you need it. So they approached us and said, if we were to break down the role into the various components, could we just source the expertise we need for the specific projects? So this organisation started with a PR and branding exercise. Right. They're able to source a really high caliber freelancer who's come in, um, delivered enormous value in terms of here's the, here's the output we need, measuring it with milestones. Uh, and they are now, that was a great, great piece of work for both, both very satisfied, and they're now starting to scope what's the next piece of work that they need. Right. So rather than playing you know, one yeah. full-time salary and, and a fairly generalist approach, the mm. ability to really um, focus in. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that might, uh, you know, in that example, mm. uh, potential to flip the traditional uh, client agency model on its mm. head? Because they think that's often where, uh, because you've had a generalist as your mm. marketing manager, you know, good knowledge yeah. around lots of different things but not deep expertise. Yeah. They've tended to go to an agency for, for yeah. deep expertise. Yeah. Now potentially changing that model up by going, we may not have an agency but we might bring in individual freelancers that help yeah. us on this campaign or that initiative or that project to get, yeah. get going. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And uh, increasingly we're starting to work with uh, organisations around creating pools of talent. So there may be um, expertise that have worked with that company previously. 
Right. But the company has the ability just to tap into that expertise okay. when they need it. Mm. The freelancer then works with other organisations, but essentially they're pre-onboarded, they understand the company's needs, but just on, on demand mm. when needed. Mm. Um, and, and it complements the, the core of the workforce, um, and particularly yeah. in emerging uh, technologies or areas of expertise, like AI or so on, can be particularly helpful. Mm. Mm. And I can see how having that talent pool that you can tap into and, and uh, you know, release and then bring back mm. in is really helpful. Of course, the, one of the challenges, I think, around a pure freelance model is you kind of do that, oh, I'm going to have to spend all this time just getting yeah. them across what we are, what we're about, how we operate, right. what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. But if you're able to kind of get through that and mm. then, you know, Dip in and out. It's That's a great, right. Uh, great approach. That's right. Okay. And particularly in the areas of data, digital, and tech, which is where we really are specialising. So, you know, deep expertise where organisations need it often for those emerging projects in particular. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. And so, Joe, in terms of the uh, types of people that you're mm -hmm. connecting with around freelancing, uh, I guess the freelancing world has a very, very large scope. Yes. Everything from uh, I need someone to transcribe the audio in this video into text, yep. then it's a pretty you know, low level, mm -hmm. I can access uh, people anywhere in the globe to do that for a few dollars mm -hmm. kind of yep. thing, right through to uh, very deep expertise in a particular mm -hmm. area, kind of future work studio, yep. where do you guys focus? Yeah, more at the deep expertise end. Right. So, so the typical profile of some of our, our experts might be uh, they've stepped out of large, uh, corporates at a very senior level and so they bring that, that depth of expertise. Uh, we have uh, machine learning experts that, that also teach at university level um, but, but have corporate experience. So, right. so very much of that expertise. Okay. And what we recognise is that in New Zealand and, and in fact increasingly we're seeing it around the world as well, um, there isn't necessarily the need for a full-time person in those very narrow areas of expertise, but if we can share that talent, we will benefit. So yes. it's very much about how do we how do we get a better outcome for New Zealand by accessing and sharing the amazing talent mm. we do have. Right. So, yeah. And what are the what are the freelancers getting out of this? Why are they choosing that model versus yeah. the you know the nice yeah perceived in my view perceived security yeah. of um, you know corporate yeah. corporate life or whatever? Yeah. What what's in it for yeah. them? I think what we're seeing when we talk to our freelancers is they're, they're all uh, running effectively their own small businesses, so they have the ability to really partner. So they're coming yeah. in not as someone who's who's um, taking orders, so to speak, but, but more as a real partner with the business around driving growth together. So they, they have a different mindset, they are doing work they love. They have the flexibility, so we have a number of um, freelancers that they're able to then balance out family needs or other needs to enable them to have the lifestyle they want. Uh, in some cases, balancing a mix of freelance work with not-for-profit work, for yes, example, right. so they're contributing mm -hmm. in different ways. Yeah. Um, but mostly, I think it's about that real sense of engagement when you're delivering value, doing the work you love, and being able to work in that more often is, is what that freelancing uh, offers for them. Right. Yeah, okay. and that's very much what we're looking to replicate internally as well with the, the opening up uh, internally people to try new things, experience upskilling, but also have the ability to just really do valuable work in the areas they love. Mm. Uh, and that's the internal uh, gig economy, mm. if you like, that right. we're looking to drive right. to. So let's talk about more of that internal mm. piece. Um, what What's the opportunity that businesses are, are missing by not having that internal gig economy? Yeah. 
I think businesses often have this incredible untapped human potential that sits within the organisation that, that for very good reasons there's just often not visibility of. So the ability to put in place a platform that enables uh, that talent to have visibility of opportunities uh, and then for the organisation to perhaps tap into to skills they weren't even aware were there. Uh, in some cases, we know of people who've been uh, learning machine learning in their weekend. Right. The business might not be aware of that, right. but an opportunity comes up and all of a sudden this person has the opportunity to bring a different skill. Uh, some of the businesses we're working with are looking to tap into more of the non-professional activities. So, for example, uh, in the marketing department, opening up a photography opportunity right. where someone may actually be an amazing photographer, that's their passion, and they get to bring that passion to work. So a lot of what the platform is about is, is learning a different way of working. It's teaming differently, so bringing different teams together, which is a critical skill for leaders in the future. So they get to practice that within a relatively safe environment. Mm -hmm. But mostly it's about unlocking that human potential that, okay. that sits within an organisation. Okay. Teaming, it's a, it's a mm -hmm. word we're starting to hear more yeah. and more. What's your kind of definition of that and what have yeah. you seen work well? Yeah. Um, what, what we're starting to see is that with the pace of change of technology and, and societal changes, there's a need to bring much more diversity together to solve problems. So um, traditionally, with a slower pace and more defined problems, it was very easy to sit within one area and, and solve that problem. But increasingly, the world hasn't seen some of the problems we have. The, you know, they might be ethical dilemmas to do with AI, or they might be uh, the need to bring together your data analytics team with your deep insights from the commercial team, and then perhaps a scientific perspective on process. Yes. Um, so it's bringing together different skills and unlocking, therefore, better solutions and outcomes. And uh, that's a hard skill. You know, for, for leaders that have grown up in a very traditional uh, world where, you know, we, we're not too far from the command and control environment Absolutely. of the 40s and 50s, yeah. uh, you know, it's a new skill to have a fluid team that, that moves where you bring in skills and release skills. Um, often, you know, we're, we're groomed in corporate to hold on to talent and, you know, build them in your own team. But actually releasing that talent benefits everyone, including the talent themselves. So should we be throwing organisation charts out the window? Well, there's certainly some organisations starting to look at that, absolutely. You know, really thinking about what's the output or the value or the customer need uh, and putting that first and then bringing together skills to deliver against that. And, and a lot of that thinking underpins some of the agile uh, work that's being done. Yeah. But even without going full agile, there's certainly lots of ways to bring teams together and, and perhaps unlock some of that uh, that capability within okay. the organisation. So, Joe, we've got a, a listener on the podcast and they're going, oh, I really feel like our organisation is command and control. Yeah. Uh, I totally resonate with all the things you're talking mm -hmm. about. I can see the opportunity and the flexibility yeah. and uh, getting closer to customers and being more uh, agile yeah. um, and not necessarily in this sense of implementing agile but just being being yeah. fast efficient effective yeah. um, where should they start well obviously uh, teams pro which is our internal platform is a great mm. way to start yep. because what what that platform does is effectively enables that first step towards unlocking uh, new opportunities within the organization and creating that visibility and we provide a lot of support around uh, the capability build too so for, for leaders operating in this environment you know it's a safe way to take some steps towards a different way of, of leading a team uh, and for talent it's a safe way to actually practice working in different teams and learning new skills mm. And hopefully upskilling on the job, which you know we know is the most effective way to learn. Right. So. 
And in reality, how does that work? So I've got Team Pro, mm -hmm. I go, I'm in the uh, ops team, um, yeah. we've got a project coming up where we're trying mm -hmm. to do a, um, let's say, reduce uh, delivery time to market for, for products. Yep. Um, what would I do with Team Pro? How would it help me? It would help you because you could um, post the opportunity could be as small as you know bringing in someone from another part of the organisation for a few hours a week, or it might be might be a secondment. There's a lot of flexibility within right, the system right. around how it's used. Uh, you get to access people right across the organisation, so perhaps skills you haven't even thought of. Someone in the marketing team who's going to bring quite a different perspective. Uh, you get to resource in your team um, and, and therefore hopefully get a better outcome as a result. So the platform really unlocks that ability yeah, right. to, to build out the team. Mm. And over time, what it then does for an organisation is with the upskilling is individuals can um, get real-time feedback on, on new opportunities, on how they're progressing. Uh, it can link into talent and performance uh, opportunities as well. Right. Yeah. And has it led to some challenging questions in you know, corporate teams where they've yeah. gone, uh, hey, I've got that person, you know, command and control mm -hmm. and that other nice C word, cost centre. Yes, yes. I've got this person of a cost centre yeah. and yeah, now I'm trying to, you know, they're, they're wanting yeah. to be released for 10 hours a week to go and work on this new project. Yeah. How, are, how are organisations dealing with those yeah, kind of questions? Yeah, th those are all the kinds of questions. Um, you know, how do I release my team? Uh, there's also a perception that people are busy, so where do people find the capacity? But what we find is that if it's important enough for the organisation, there's always a way. So, so you know, cost centres and all the rest of it, we really encourage organisations to think about this first and foremost as a development opportunity and an upskilling for the entire organisation. And then for individual managers, it's really about you know, the engagement of their teams. All their teams perform better if they have more highly engaged staff. And it's amazing how we can find capacity for things we really love. So, uh, you know, the yeah. most important thing is not to uh, force people into it, but to create the opportunity. And, you know, with an intelligent conversation between a manager and, and a team member, there's always a way to find the capacity. Sure. So, and yeah. it's, if everyone brings uh, what's right for the customer, what's right yeah. for the organisation, what's right for us as individuals yeah. in there, if we bring that mindset to the table, Absolutely. there's always a solution. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Uh, can you share with us an um, example of an organisation, just a, a project that they've uh, done that, they've managed to bring together internal resource, maybe some mm -hmm. external deep expertise as well, kind of how that project um, got off the ground and what was the experience for the people involved and what the outcomes were? One of the companies we're working at the moment is a, is a utilities company that are really keen to open up more progressive ways of working um, and, and to experiment a little bit, recognising that in this new environment we're in, experimentation is really important, so taking safe risks. And in fact, the organisation is already saying, you know, what if we were to then bring in another organisation and cross-collaborate? And that's yes. where we see the real opportunity for New Zealand, is when you start to create an ecosystem of uh, collaborative organisations, sharing talent and really working for the better outcome. Uh, you know, and there's some countries that do that really well in other parts of the world who have that, that external perspective. Mm. And I think that's, that's a real opportunity for us here, is how do we uh, cross-collaborate and, and really create and unlock the value we have in New Zealand. So this organisation is looking upstream and downstream, who are their obvious partners? And so for example, if they have uh, a key project that benefits all the organisations, how do they bring that talent together, leveraging the platform? 
and then giving opportunities so you know employees can get to work in another company see another culture work with a different group of people Brilliant. Um, so that that's their vision uh, in a similar vein we're working with a group of companies at the moment that are part of a holding company structure so all independent companies right. but all ultimately with a common purpose so we're uh, we're working with them at the moment to design a way of working that would see them uh, see employees within the, the the individual companies have the opportunities to work in other parts of the group uh, unlocking uh, you know that once again that collaborative mentality to get a better outcome for the the group as a whole right. And I imagine that uh, ultimately leads to better retention of great talent. Absolutely. Because they don't, uh, suddenly yeah. they're not going, oh, I've run out of opportunity here, I need to move. Yeah. They're going, I can I can stay as mm. part of a key talent pool in this organisation, yeah. bringing me access to other projects yeah. and experiencing other companies and cultures. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, Absolutely, awesome. you know, um, one of the examples that we were given was a you know a really great engineering um, individual who was actually getting a little bit bored within one of the companies and uh, was probably fully engaged four days a week, a little bit of capacity, high retention risk because the the person was was in demand. What the platform has unlocked is the opportunity for that person to really add value in another part of the group, be fully engaged, uh, and taken away that retention risk. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and again, the ability to centre expertise and resource around uh, the flexibility of key projects yeah. rather than going, oh, to get this project off the ground, we're going to have to go and hire 10 people That's and right. it's going to be a really yeah. big expense and can we get approval at a board level to spend absolutely. that amount of money? Yeah. Go, if we can get five hours a week from that person and 10 from yeah. that person and maybe this person will second to the project for the whole time. But Yeah, kind of, absolutely. You know, there are tangible tangible cost savings that, that sit behind it just in terms of making better use of, of the mm-hmm. talent that sits within an organisation mm-hmm. yeah, or within a group. Yeah. Right, so, right. Yeah. I saw an article from, uh, I think it was the chief executive of Cisco, Mm -hmm. and uh, he predicted that we would see huge organisations in terms of uh, revenue and market impact, with only two employees being the CEO and the CIO. How far do you think this will go? Will we see transformational change with uh, organisations, you know, literally getting rid of the org chart, going, yeah. yes, we've got these functions that need to be delivered every week, so it still yeah. makes sense to have uh, yeah. maybe a core team around that, but everything else is, you know, virtually a flexible mm. workforce. How, yeah. far, how far will it go? How <laughs> far? Uh, I'd like to think it will go a long way towards that way. Uh, I think it will take a while because we're still heavily uh, vested in, in some of the traditional ways of working, but as we see those success stories coming out, increasingly more and more organisations are going to move in that direction and we're aware of organisations already in New Zealand who are throwing away the job descriptions, taking apart the org chart and completely refocusing on customer and results Uh, and they're the vanguard, the leaders and and the rest will follow, absolutely. And what what type of organisations are at the forefront of this? Is it it all the cool tech startups where everyone's in a a t-shirt and jandals or are are there some other more progressive organisations that we might not be aware of? Yeah, it's all sorts of organisations. Um, we're working with one organisation that's Canterbury-based in a very traditional um, industry. 
a company of around three or four hundred people where the CEO said the way it's working today is is not delivering the value I need and I'm not getting I'm not optimizing uh, the talent within my organization and and they have done exactly that they've taken apart the the job descriptions they've put in place a head of human potential uh, and they're very much focused on delivering better outcomes for their customers in a completely different way so this isn't a you know a sort of sexy Auckland tech company this is a heartland company that's recognizing wow. that the way we need to work has to shift and and they're doing it mm. and they're living it mm. yeah and what do you think will happen to the organizations that don't adopt some of this thinking and yeah. approach to people and approach to customer our experience would be they'll start to lose talent and they'll start to lose competitiveness. You know, more and more as we talk to people, um, you know, across a wide range of organisations, this is the way people want to work and this is the way customers want to have value delivered. You know, it's got to be more nimble, more agile, more focused, more customer centric. Uh, we have to work in different ways. We have to collaborate. We have to be willing to put ourselves out there and take more risks and innovate. And the organisations that, that can't do that will, will just simply get left behind. Yep, they yeah. will die. Okay, yeah. so you've talked a lot about collaboration, both mm -hmm. that are at a team level and then organisation level and some of the uh, mm -hmm. customers that you're already connecting with. Mm -hmm. What are you guys doing to collaborate? Yeah, great question. Um, we recognise that that you know we need to we need to collaborate to be successful. So we are starting to work with a number of other sharing platforms. We have some incredible innovators here in New Zealand. Uh, you know whether it's Henry and Wellington that that's doing some great work with uh, innovating the way contractors get paid. Uh, whether it's sharing platforms like Parkable, there's, there's a huge number of learnings um, and opportunities to really do something for the New Zealand economy together. Uh, and that's very much where we're focusing. So in fact, we have a, a meeting coming up where we're getting together uh, five or six of the sharing uh, platforms here in New Zealand to start to look at how do we make sure that, that we take those learnings, collaborate and, and drive forward in a really positive way together. Yeah, yeah. awesome. I, I feel like it's a uh, mindset shift for mm. uh, New Zealand, possibly other parts of the world, but mm. it's certainly my experience where contrasting what I've seen, particularly in the US versus yeah. here, where New Zealand typically has been very uh, closed shop if I've got a good idea, mm. I've got to keep that, I don't want yeah. to share it with anybody else yeah. because someone else might take it and commercialise it or, yeah. or whatever. Um, and I think mm. I see the uh, particularly in the US, people much more open collaboration mm. going, yeah. look, there's enough market share here for yeah. everyone. Yeah. If we can get in and yeah. help and grow you know, the pie, grow yeah. the pie yeah. and we'll share ideas and I'll mm. really like that one so I'll yeah. run with that but that one doesn't quite suit my business so you take that one yeah. and I'll get the next one. You know, yeah. I think if we, uh, it would help our economy mm. and our country a lot if we could yeah. have a lot more sharing. So yeah. um, well done, well done to you guys for, you know, you. being catalysts in our environment for getting that collaboration going. No, it's, uh, it's an exciting time. It, it really is, is for, for is. New Zealand. So, yeah. yeah, okay. So what do you think uh, Future Work Studio will look like in five years' time? <laughs> well, uh, we hope that um, more than what we'll look like, it's what the organisations we're working with will look like. You know, we really hope that there will be uh, increasing numbers of organisations that are working in these more flexible ways that are really unlocking um, you know the potential that sits within them and that New Zealand as a whole is really driving hard in that productivity space uh, and putting our, our feet well and truly on the world stage because we have some of the best innovators in the world mm. uh, right here in New Zealand. Mm. 
And is there a global play here for you guys directly? Because I like the politician's answer of going, <laughs> oh, we had to ha- help everybody else and it's all going to be yeah. nice, blah, blah. Um, yes. So we're Great. already working with um, several um, well, uh, several global companies or, or companies with footprints in other markets Brilliant. and uh, looking to expand mm. that out, absolutely. Mm. You know, the, and, and that is back to your starting point. It's a small world in many ways and we have shared challenges, shared opportunities. Um, so the, the solutions that work in New Zealand, they actually work everywhere. Totally. Yeah. And I think we've uh, known for a long time that one of the challenges with New Zealand entrepreneurs is they, you know, they think about New Zealand, mm. they kind of get maybe a nice level of income here and it's job done. Mm. Uh, so the more organisations that we can have, you know, mm. thinking about the size of that, that market opportunity, it mm. helps grow our economy, it helps give opportunity for our people to, to grow yeah. and develop. Yeah. Um, you know, Zero as an example, mm. you know, we've seen, seen them do amazing things and what they've mm. created from a New Zealand economy perspective is great. So. Yeah. More, yeah. uh, more companies like that. Yeah, and, and we have some natural benefits. You know, one of the things we're aware of, and particularly in the, in the data space, for example, is that in many other markets, there's there's huge demand and, and there's a supply gap. Here in New Zealand, we may not have the demand yet, but we have the supply. So actually, there's a, a huge opportunity to be complementary uh, and to leverage those dynamics globally to, to make sure that we can um, provide a different solution as well. Mm. So if I was able to log into Team Pro in my organisation yeah. and access the external resource, yeah. what would I find on your profile? <laughs> on my profile? Yeah. Do you, do you, do you, um, uh, you know, if we keep the flexible working thing, yes, you're running a, running a business, mm-hmm. you're, you're an entrepreneur yeah. in your own right, but yeah. you've got a skill set that might be really useful for other organisations to, to utilise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if you looked on my profile, you'd find that I've worked in um, a lot of international markets at, at senior levels in strategic human resources and, and running businesses. And I think the unique um, skill that I bring is that ability to bring the commercial lens but understand how to unlock the best out of people to deliver that. Um, so organisations that are looking to transform and uh, make change, that's where uh, I really love to play. Mm. Brain drain is a term mm. that we've heard in New Zealand a lot where maybe we can't give our very best people the opportunity mm-hmm. because of our local market market mm-hmm. size. Do you feel like what you're doing will give an opportunity for more of our best people to stay in New Zealand? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely the case. Uh, we're already working with a number of organisations internationally that are coming to us to say, who do you have in New Zealand that actually has that skill set that can support us globally? Uh, but based from New Zealand. So New Zealanders that are, that are highly skilled, who may be willing to travel, but can stay right here uh, in New Zealand, continue to build the capability in New Zealand, but service a, a global client right, base. Right. Um, I think that's a very real thing, and, and we'll see that increasingly. In mm. yeah. technology is just making that so much more accessible. Right? I can participate yeah. in a team. I can be yeah. in a different time zone, a different hemisphere, and I can yeah. I can be part of it. That's right. Uh, we see lots of organisations yeah. using you know mm. the Zoom and Slack yeah. and you know, Asana, yeah. whatever your tools are, yeah. but it's making all that kind of thing uh, more uh, achievable mm. and when you bring a value-based lens to that engagement rather than how many yeah. hours are you sitting at the desk in my office after yeah. a three-hour commute yeah you know once yeah. you ditch that and go how do we how do we mm. deliver value and what's the right outcome for the customer it just yeah. makes all that all that um, strip yeah. away and get it, a lot more real it, it really does and you know a great example of that is before we came here this morning uh, we're on a call with the US 
uh, with a Brazilian leader talking about New Zealand talent that might service Asia for that organisation. Wow. So awesome. that's the new world that we yeah. live in. Yeah. That is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, look, uh, congratulations to you, Joe, and to Vincent, your business partner, on what you've achieved. It's um, fantastic to see someone taking that um, in that freelance model, which I guess mm-hmm. has been around for a while, mm-hmm. but looking at how you unlock it both internally in organisations mm-hmm. and externally, and then bringing the global approach to it, mm-hmm. I think it's such a great initiative for New Zealand. And uh, right. yeah, really wish Thank you guys you. every every success. Thanks Thank for joining you. us. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. You're welcome. Thanks.